Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We're continuing to look at the teaching on biblical prophecy in the first epistle of Peter. And today's episode is entitled, Suffering and the Normal Christian Life. I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I have lived most of my life in a very abnormal Christian life. Uh, I've been blessed here living in the United States of America with a big ocean between a lot of the world's trouble and our homeland. Um, Yes, there's some minor persecutions that we encounter, but it's just absolutely nothing compared to what believers are going through in North Korea or communist China. Uh, We have been blessed, but it's really a very abnormal uh, life that we have lived. And because of this, we have become very prone to be given a line that this is actually what is abnormal, certainly a blessing, but what's abnormal for in the whole scheme of Christianity, uh, we're told that, no, this this is normal. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is what St. Peter said, 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, this is verse 13, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, is this a little isolated thing here? This is 1 Peter 5 and verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. Suffering, according to our first pope, is the normal condition of Christians in this world until the second coming of Christ. That is the normal condition. We have not lived in the normal condition, and as a result, that sets us up to be very prone to messages that tickle our ears. Uh, The first, I would mention, is the rapture theory. I mean, you know, despite all the theological debates, I'll readily acknowledge that the rapture at any moment, the dispensational theory, uh, has a great psychological edge that you'll be taken out of the world before the real intense great tribulations and persecutions of the Antichrist will come. I mean, who wants to go through that? And if you've lived in a life of abundance as we have here in America, we become soft and we hear something like that, well, it's not really a wonder why particularly Americans and maybe uh, British society as well, would go for such a thing. Many years ago, I was uh, teaching at the Calvary Chapel Bible School. A good friend of mine had taken it over and asked me to come to help kind of restart this out in California. And Calvary Chapel was known as a teaching center for the rapture and biblical prophecy. And I was teaching the Gospel of Matthew. And by that time, I had learned enough New Testament 
Greek and studied this issue to know that there were clearly two sides to the rapture question. In other words, taken out before any problems or you're going to have to go through uh, great suffering. And I decided when I got to Matthew 24, I would teach the chapter, A, very faithfully, according to the rapture theory that, you know, you take it out before it gets really bad and you escape that end time suffering. And then I gave a second part of the class where I went through and built the biblical case that, no, we would go through the tribulation and the period of intense suffering and persecution. Well, lo and behold, I had students who had heard nothing but the rapture theory in their churches and everything else. And again, I only taught half the class from this. So they had the other half, and I, I knew how to teach it, and they had it, and yet they were leaving my class weeping because their whole worldview, their projection of the future was more of the American dream. And, you know, this was back in the 70s, and it's kind of a resurgence of the surfing craze. And I had one guy tell me, you know, I just thought I'd be surfing and going to church and having a great time until the rapture. And, you know, it's just like I never thought that we'd have to go through something like this. And uh, I taught that same class three times in the morning, three different groups. Well, some of the classes didn't rotate. They stayed in and wanted to hear it again. And even some of the cooks down in the kitchen came up for the second and third classes because it was just so shocking to their sensitivities. And, And it was interesting that only a half a class teaching this was shaking them up so much. And there's a verse that should just shake us right out of that. It's Jesus has said in John chapter 17 and verse 15, I do not pray that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil one. And Jesus in the context, John 16 and 17, talking about persecution, suffering, what they did to me, they're going to do to you. But Jesus says, I don't pray, Father, you take them out of the world, but you keep them in, in the midst of this. Now, if you were a Catholic, you'd say, well, yeah, that rapture stuff is really off, off the wall. But I'm not finished. I have noticed practically the same thing amongst Catholics. Catholic media, Catholic articles, Catholic podcasts, Catholic books. And there's a desire. I'm not talking about everyone, but there's a widespread desire to somehow, uh, obviously our world's getting dark, that something's going to you know, ring a bell and everything will turn around before Christ comes back, or at least for a long period and this and that, when really we have to look at Scripture, the church fathers, the doctors of the church, the councils of the church, the formal catechisms of the Catholic Church, and the papal teaching, and you don't find that. And yet there's a lot of teaching going on that there's going to be this kind of uh, turnaround, and maybe I won't get in taste and all of that tribulation and suffering stuff, because it'll just turn around and it'll be a period of peace for me and my children. But tell me how to explain that teaching to the people this moment in communist China or North Korea or some of the Muslim lands. It's just ludicrous. St. John Paul II, when he came to the United States, he said, we are now facing the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. Can you hear this? I do not think that the wide circle of American society or the whole wide circle of the Christian community 
fully realize this. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between Christ and the anti-Christ. The confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is therefore God's plan, and it must be a trial which the church must take up and face courageously. Now, that's the kind of teaching that people aren't hearing. And I'm not saying if you've been listening to Luke 21, you're, you kind of want your ears tickled that things will just rebound. Uh, they always rebound. There's a period of history when they don't. It's called the great apostasy. And there's no breaks. When you get into the great apostasy, it looks like the other side's going to take over the world. And uh, surprise, surprise, at the end, we find the second coming of Christ and putting an evil to the explosion of wickedness and rebellion for all time. So we come back to 1 Peter. Five brief chapters, and yet you can't read 1 Peter. And First and Second Peter are, are, is Peter wanting to leave the church reminders not necessarily teach something new or something different from Jesus, but reminders after he's gone so you don't lose it. Uh, because if you think life is going to be like the American dream or surfing in Southern California till the end of time, it's not. And First Peter has, depending on how you account, 16 or 17 verses dealing with suffering in this little epistle. It's all over the place. 1 Peter 1.6, in this you rejoice. Now, for a little while, you may have to suffer various trials. And I'll add verse 7, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, you may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1.11, they inquired what person or time was indicated by the Spirit of Christ within them when predicting the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. We call ourselves Christians. We say we're supposed to follow the path of Christ. Well, he suffered and then was glorified. We want to be glorified and glorified. No, it doesn't work that way. Here's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you do suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And by the way, I'm as nervous about this as anybody. I believe and again, I'll put it in first person, the American way of life has made us very, very soft for this. There are people who have grown up in communist Cuba during the Soviet domination of Eastern Europe who could tell you a whole different story. To me, this is theoretical, but I know this is here, and it's repeated so many times. Again, First Peter 3 and verse 17 for it is better to suffer for doing right, if that should be God's will, than for being doing wrong. 1 Peter 4.1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same thought, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 
Now, we're supposed to be all downcast about this. 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Don't fall for con jobs. Don't fall, sound very authoritative or very complicated or very mystical or whatever. It's very simple. Christ suffered and then was glorified. We suffer with Christ, sharing his sufferings, and then at his second coming, we are glorified. Don't, don't fall for substitutes on this. 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will do right and entrust their souls to a faithful creator. 1 Peter 5.9, Resist them firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. And if you remember the little season when the pit is open, so to speak, and the kingdom of the Antichrist has a a short period of of dominance, 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 287 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.